Hello, welcome to episode 10. Da, 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 double figures. Double figures. It's so exciting. We've bloody made it. Uh, this is the At Least You Didn't podcast. I'm Caroline Verdon. I'm Annabelle Buckland and this is the podcast where Caroline and I share stories from our terrible, terrible lives with you. <laughs> Basically, we discovered a long time ago when we first met what we had in common, and that was that we seemed to find ourselves embroiled in ridiculous situations. Uh, and during lockdown, we were texting each other about stupid things that we'd done just to cheer ourselves up. And we decided, why not share it with the world? So we wrote these stupid things that we've done down on pieces of paper. We posted them in a little bag to each other. And then we started a Zoom call, clicked record, opened a bottle of gin uh, and started just talking about our terrible misdemeanours. And that is what this podcast has become. It's not highbrow. It's not innovative. It's nothing new, but it's bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you have any stories, please do share them with us. It's one of my favourite things about doing this podcast. Just the hilarious stories we are getting from you. Um, do not be shy. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at at least you didn't. Tell us about this just stupid, funny, hilarious, embarrassing things you've done. Coming up on today's episode, we have got, at least you didn't, create your own catchphrase. Make an unfortunate typo. Or cause a scene in a war zone. At least you didn't kick a baby. I tried to snog the vicar. At least you didn't show the bin many knickers. It could be worse. At least you didn't create your own catchphrase. This sounds interesting. Mm. Um, I mean, really, really, it should be create your own catchphrase and ruin romance for life. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I had just moved in with my now husband. Okay. And Lovely. it was one of those circumstances where, if I'm honest, we moved in for logistical reasons. So it was a little bit too soon because I was living in Bournemouth, he was living in Southampton and I'd just got a job in Oxford. Right. And so it made sense for me to move in with him in Southampton so I could actually get to work. Otherwise, it's yeah. going to be a very long trip. Um, yeah. And, you know, we both wanted to move in together at some point, but perhaps we were maybe six months premature because at this point in our relationship, I I barely needed to go to the bathroom. I certainly didn't belch. You know, there was none of there was none of that. It, you barely it, needed to go to the bathroom. What did you, you just not eat when you were together? No, but I just mean that, that you know we hadn't got to that stage in our relationship where there were any bottom burps. Like none of that had happened. Yeah, we were, yeah. you know, gases did not exist. I mean, that's every relationship I've ever had. But then you get to a point, don't you, where you know, you become comfortable with each other and eventually, you know, you just... Nope. No, okay, nope. fine. Never. Um, I, I, I normally get to a point. Um, we were not at this point yet. And so I was basically... We'd been together for about a year, but we were moving in together and my mind was going, what if he hears me on the toilet? Like, mm. like all these things are going through my head. Mm. Anyway, we'd been living together for three weeks and up pops Valentine's Day. Lovely. And lovely. Perfect timing. Yeah. And because I was doing a breakfast radio show and I got up at half past three in the morning, we didn't really want to do anything too crazy because it came on a Tuesday night um, <laughs> and I had to go to work in the morning. So I remember... No morning every... delight for you. No, no morning delight <laughs> for me. Three o'clock in the morning. No. Um, and so instead we were like, right, let's get an early dinner. There's a new Turkish 
restaurant that had opened up um, with, within walking distance of our house. So like, why don't we get an early dinner at this Turkish restaurant and then we'll go to the cinema and watch a film and then have an early night. You know, lovely evening. Let's do that. Yeah. So we walked to this Turkish restaurant. It was amazing. Absolutely mm. amazing. One of the many courses that we had there was basically pure cheese. Um, and it was like a wheel of cheese fondue. Oh, my God. I know you're, I know you're a vegan, but trust me. But, you know, I can appreciate a tasty cheese exactly it was a gooey cheesy it was out of this world anyway uh we continue on to the cinema and we start watching the film and we get about halfway through the film and i can feel my insides are not pleased with me um and see where this is going i feel i feel as though what's happened is i've swallowed the food and it's just gone all the way down straight away rather than take its time that's what happens with digestion yeah. It goes. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Shouldn't be that quick though. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, I do not I do not feel well. And I was faced with this dilemma where we had a couple of minutes left of the film and I thought, right, do I go to the bathroom as soon as this film finishes? But in which case there will be all these people around and I don't know how long this bathroom visit is gonna be. Or do I go home? use the bathroom at home in where there's my boyfriend who I've just moved in with and I I, I imagine he'll probably hear the sounds from the garden feeling oh how my God. awful my stomach was feeling I'd um, rather embarrass myself in front of the 50 people that have just come out of the film than yeah. my beloved yeah so the film ends and I stand up and I said I'm, I'm really not feeling that well I think I'm just gonna go to the bathroom And as we walked out to go to the bathrooms, there's a cleaning sign up. That's not good. Exactly, that's not good. And you could use the disabled toilet, but there was already a person in there and there was a queue. Now, we lived... Oh, that's really not good. It's really not good. We lived approximately a 10-minute walk away from the cinema. It wasn't very far. Right. Um, But 10 minutes is a long time when you need 10 minutes is a long time. Every step is a risk. Yeah. So I was like, okay, and he went, look, we'll just go home. It's fine. We'll just go home. We'll, we'll, you know, we, we can do it. In te- we can, we can jog it. We can jog it in five. You know oh, me, Annabelle. I'm not a jogger. Terrible, terrible um, idea. So we start walking home, and then we start jogging because I'm really not well. And then I realised that the the extra movement that you get with a jog yeah. really not helping the situation. <laughs> so I opt for doing what you often see middle aged ladies in bright lycra doing around the park where you do a really fast walk whilst clenching. Mm. And I'm walking really fast and I'm walking really fast and I'm walking really fast and we are still far from home. And I reach that point that I think, oh my God, like we are at absolute breaking point. I'm so worried about this now. I've actually got a sweat on from just the whole stomach, the nerves. And he's going, he's like, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. You can do it. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. As we're wandering down the street. It was awful, Annabelle. It was mortifying. And then he said... The immortal words. Quick, there's a skip. (laughs) Now, Annabelle, it it was February, so it wasn't that dark. And I said we'd gone for an early dinner, which means at this point uh, it was only about eight, something like that. It was not dark enough. Um, And the skip was uh, on somebody's driveway. Oh, God. But I had absolutely 
no choice whatsoever. There was no way I was making it home. So our Valentine's Day was spent with my husband giving me a lift up to oh. chuck me in a skip so he that I brave. could... <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> so that I could then relieve myself in somebody's front garden. It was... He must have had a lot of confidence <laughs> in your sphincter at that point. <laughs> it was single-handedly, I think, the most mortifying moment of my life um needless to say when we got home there was no romantic evening no. uh instead rob slept in the spare room <laughs> he didn't he did oh, and that's the day the romance died and that's the day the romance died um but now whatever we are on now like 10 12 years on every single time he sees a skip. He always says, oh, look, there's a skip. And that has basically become our catchphrase. <laughs> our romance catchphrase. When you're out and about and one of you needs the loo, does, do either of you sort of go, oh, I just really need a skip? Yes, I really need a skip. Does anyone see a skip? they got a so skip around here. <laughs> oh, I'm dying for the skip. <laughs> At least you didn't make an unfortunate typo. Okay, so this is a fairly recent one. So this is kind of like back end of last year. So I left my radio job in the summer and you and I are both very passionate about radio. We love our, our jobs and what we do. I was really sad to be coming out of that yeah. atmosphere and that kind of that, that radio environment. I loved it so much and... I was just thinking, oh, it's just going to be so hard to get another job in radio. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I set up my own business doing something else. But I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just keep a finger in the radio pie elsewhere? Great idea. In, yeah. You know, just doing just doing something maybe a little bit different to what I was doing before. So I contacted my local BBC radio station just to see if they had any opportunities and yep. the program director who I'd met a couple of times before just you know in the just in the radio sphere of of my local area he actually got back to me and said do you know what we are actually looking for a couple of extra people to <gasps> read the traffic and travel news and I thought Great. perfect I'm Love sure I road. could do that yeah um so he said let me you know hook you up with um the station manager I don't know if he was called the station manager, but he was like one of the managers. Um, and he will tell you what we need and get you trained up and such. This is some ace work to just, just drop a finger in a pie and immediately. <laughs> yeah. Come on in. Here's the training. Let's sort you out. Yes, we want you. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it was good. I just, I'd never done it before. I just read, he sent me a sample travel bulletin to read. I recorded it for him and he said, yeah, let's do it. So um, I was obviously wanting to make a good impression, wanted to kind of keep in touch with this guy. He's the one that hooked me up with this work. So I sent him an email once I'd got my first few shifts lined up and basically said, you know, thank you so much for sorting me out with this work. I'm yeah. really excited. I really hope it leads to more things. I can't wait to let you know how my shifts go. And then a couple of days later, because, you know, he's a busy man, yeah. He responds to me and he says, hi, Annabelle, 
It's amazing what difference one tiny little letter can make to an email. Spot your missing F. And I had that horrendous feeling where the bottom of your stomach feels like it just disappears. And I scrolled down through the email thread and I'd actually said, thank you so much for this opportunity, blah, blah, blah. I can't wait to let you know how my shits go next week. Can't wait. Now, now the thing is, at this point, you're in a tricky situation because... The BBC love their regulations and, you know, you can't you can't misspell things and you're trying to make a good impression. So you can either apologise that you missed an F out, in which case look tardy and sloppy. Yeah. Or you can write to him about some other sorts of sloppiness and (laughs) uh, pretend that that was actually what you meant. So what did you go for? Obviously, I apologised and said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. What a clumsy girl. And we moved on. But you know what? It got me thinking about other times where I've made unfortunate typos. And I remember when I was at uni, I was I was that student who would write a draft email and make use of the fact that the lecturers would say, if you want to send me drafts and I can give you feedback, then it needs to be in by blah, blah, blah. I would always send my my essays yeah for for feedback and um i remember once sending a draft essay to one of my lecturers and i said um i'd really appreciate your your feedback on this i feel like my conclusion is a little bit poor and when they emailed back they said i don't think your your conclusion is poo at all annabelle <laughs> did they not think that I had written something bad they also didn't realize it was a typo (laughs) see maybe you can get away with it this is what you should have done with the BBC (laughs) at least you did hang on hang on you did oh yeah you did oh you did okay we have reached the part of the show where we share your brilliant brilliant stories uh feel free to share any misdemeanors you've done a problem shared is a problem that somebody else can find hilarious (laughs) and what's been great about the stories that you've been sharing is that quite often they're related to a story that we've shared on the podcast and it kind of jogs people's memory doesn't it and this story that we're about to share with you (laughs) was inspired by mine and caroline's stories in the gym so i fell off a treadmill caroline sweats a lot so this right. inspired <laughs> this inspired Bronte from London to get in touch and tell us her story about what happened when she went to a Zumba class. So please welcome Bronte and at least you didn't stand out at Zumba for all the wrong reasons. So there was no Zumba in the plan actually at first. I'd gone round to my friend's house for dinner And then they threw upon me the fact that on Thursday nights, they had been going to Zumba um, just down the road and floated the idea. (laughs) That's really unacceptable. That's not the kind of thing you can throw. I'd been promised for heaters. um, (laughs) And what I got was very different. (laughs) You can't. You just can't do that. Were you prepared? I had with, no exercise with, gear. What, with lycra? I, had, I left my all my lycra in my lycra cupboard. I didn't have it with <laughs> me. Um, but 
he did lend me um, some exercise gear, which again, I say he, so it was like, it was all very like, not not particularly, you know, feminine as, as you know. Or supportive. Or supportive. I had no sports bra, which is, which is key. I mean, I also don't have many boobs, but many boobs. <laughs> Many. Other people have seven. I've just got two. I have many breasts. I only have the two boobs, so it was fine really without the sports bra. Um, but yeah, so he was like, oh, it's fine. We've been going. Um, they're really nice, really friendly. It's all very kind of beginner. Um, I don't know if you can have different levels of Zumba, but anyway. Um, so I donned the the spare Lycra. What was it? The Lycra? Like what? Yeah. It was, what did you wear? It was a, a t-shirt that was definitely far too small for me. Um, nice little tight blue number. Um, no sports bra, but I just thought this one will do. This will hold me up fine. Um, and then some nice little cropped, little cropped leggings. Actually, uh, my friend okay. was a bit of a runner, right. so he he had he okay. had the gear. He had the gear. Fine. Um, so he was prepared in that way. Um, and then we head off, and it was. <laughs> I thought friendly if we got there everyone was nice we're kind of queuing outside and everyone's chatting they all know each other yeah. and I was like and they'd um, Lee and James my friends had made a bit of a name for themselves I think so they kind of turned <laughs> up and everyone was like oh guys oh it's you very like most people there were women and they like they loved the fact <laughs> that they'd, they'd made this little name um and I, they were kind of like oh we've brought a friend along everyone was really nice greeting me and stuff and when we got in there I got a spot right at the back next to this huge fan because I know I sweat a lot um, and, I, <laughs> and I wanted to protect against that. So I got this nice spot yeah. at the back. Wise. Yeah. And it's one of those big rooms where it's like all mirrors. Everywhere is a mirror. Um, oh, so hideous. I could see myself limbering up. My, Brilliant. In, in somebody lycra. else's lycra. In somebody else's lycra. Lycra is tight as well. So I, I, I was a bit conscious of, you know, his sweat was near where my sweat yeah. was coming from yeah <laughs> um but anyway they it was about an hour long and I nearly died by the end of it but there were like drinks breaks and it was all smiley everyone's enjoying themselves the instructor was really nice I took off my glasses so I couldn't see myself in the mirror because I thought that Clever. was probably wise if you can't see yourself are you even yeah it's like, it's like a baby <laughs> playing peekaboo <laughs> If I can't see me, they can't see me. Um, so I had a false sense of security from that. So anyway, we carry on with the Zumba. It was great. I felt like I really had the rhythm. Like I really felt like... <laughs> like this Like this is what you've been waiting for your whole life. This is Zumba what I was might born be your to calling. Do. Yeah, I yeah. think it would be one of those things where I'd be interviewed later and people would say, how did you get into it? And I'd be like, I went round for fajitas. <laughs> heaters at this point. I think no I think we might have had them afterwards no, okay. yeah it yeah, was it became so. a staying the night kind of affair because it was there was too much to pack into one to one evening um <laughs> what with the zumba yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so I thought I was really getting into the rhythm really graceful um professional even and so it all wraps up and at the end we're going to collect our water bottles wiping sweat etc um and this woman comes over to me and she was like I'd just like to say and I was like, oh, well, this is nice. Like, I'm new. Maybe she's going to be like, oh, it's great that you've come along. She's oh, like, you're really good at it for a beginner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah have you, you done this before? Like, I think you need to go into the next level. You're a professional. You're making these people yeah, look Yeah, this like for looks so good. Where's it from? Like, can you, can you show me the link? <laughs> is that Lululemon? 
<laughs> so anyway, she wanders over and she was like, I'd just like to say thanks for keeping it fun. <laughs> <laughs> not know how to respond to this because I really like I'm not joking when I when I say I could have instructed the class in my head like I was, I was there and so she was like thanks for keeping it fun and there was this awkward pause and I and I said I know what you mean by that like I'm not very good and she was like no 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 of course not. You were just laughing the whole way through. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't. I had a very serious face on because I was on Strictly in my head. Like, I was <laughs> um, so now my friends, and my friends were obviously completely pissing themselves behind me. But now every time, every time I leave the house, they're always like, thanks for keeping it fun, Bronte. Thanks for keeping it fun. <laughs> thanks for keeping it fun. It's the best insult I've ever heard. Thanks for keeping it fun. Where on first listen, you think, what's wrong with that? And then you start delving into those individual words and you think, wow. Oh, yeah, you're a laughing stock. What a cutting thing to say. Um, If you too are a laughing stock, if you too like to keep it fun, then please do get in contact. Give us your stories. Uh, Find us on Facebook and Instagram at at least you didn't. Moving on with the podcast. At least you didn't cause a scene in a war zone. Yes. Nothing would surprise me with you anymore, Caroline. Nothing. I may have mentioned before that I've uh, spent a bit of time in Afghanistan. You're a very serious journalist. I was a very serious journalist for a while. Uh, Very hard to believe, I know. Um, And as part of the whole training of before you go into a war zone... um, (laughs) You Just, have to do you know, war zone because I've been to a war a zone. war zone. You have to do all this training into things like what happens if you get kidnapped or what you should do if there's gunfire or what a a, a bomb, a roadside homemade bomb might look like. And yeah. the, also, you do some training into the nasty insects and stuff living in that part of the world that you're going to. Yeah. Um, now, I was going to Afghanistan. And one of the things that lives in Afghanistan is a spider called... Dave. (laughs) I wish it was called Dave. (laughs) I wish it was called Dave. Beware of deadly Dave. (laughs) Creeping around like a creepy little git. Disappointing. No. (laughs) It's called a camel spider. And they're, they're white. They almost look like they're made of bone. Um... And it's like a crab spider. Like they're not very attractive. As, as spiders oh. go, they're way down the list for looks. You're um, give me nightmares with a crab spider. They're quite big. They're about the size of your fist. Um, and whilst they're not deadly to humans, they can be deadly to animals, or if you're poorly, or the elderly, the infirm, that kind of things. So um, you kind of talk about them because. They say when you come back, don't empty your suitcase in your house in case you've brought one back with you. So empty your suitcase in your garden. So you don't end up with a family of them living in your house and then killing your, your pet dog. Hideous. That is hideous. Isn't it? 
I'm not a big fan of spiders. <clears throat> anyway, at the time in which I went to Afghanistan, uh, we were... Stop laughing at me. Um, you just have to get that sentence in there as much <laughs> as you possibly can, don't you? We, uh, the country was preparing to sort of pull out of Afghanistan, basically, um, uh, which meant that there were loads of Afghan Afghan nationals in the base camp. And because of that, because it makes it slightly riskier, everybody walks around with a gun. Obviously not me. I'm a member of the press. But all, like all the everybody in the armed forces can't go anywhere without their gun. Yeah. Now, I sleep in a tent. Uh, if I need the toilet in the middle of the night, I have to wake up somebody with a gun to escort me to the toilet and then to come, you know, to take me back. Crikey. And it's all, it's for somebody who is not used to that sort of environment, a bit terrifying. Yeah, a um, bit daunting. Yeah. Anyway, it's about five o'clock in the morning and I've got up to have a shower so I can get ready for the day because we are going out really early that morning. So I go into the bathroom and it's just me there. And they are like, they're portaloos, like the ones, you know, they're portaloos that you get at festivals. Portaloos, portaloos. And it's like a toilet with a shower attached to it. I thought you meant you were having a shower in a, like physically in a portaloo. No, that would be ridiculous. Thinking, There's no water in those things. That's it's ridiculous. That blue guns. That... <laughs> Kind of, you know. No, 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 no. So I go in and I'm already a bit on edge anyway and it's early morning so I'm not particularly awake and I go to use the toilet and I do what you do. So you stand there, don't you? And the first things first is you drop your trousers and you drop your pants and then mm. because we're in a, a different country and there are all these sort of weird creepy crawlies around, I take a look over my right shoulder just to check before I then, you know, have a little sit down. Um, yeah. And as I look over my right shoulder, in the toilet that I'm about to sit my naked backside on, I see a camel spider. Oh, my God. I pull my trousers up faster than you can possibly imagine. I leg it out of the door, fall almost face first into that man who's been sent to go with me holding a gun. And I say to him, there's a camel spider in the toilet. And he's like, all right, all right, I'll let them know. Use the block next door. Anyway, I use the other block. I get ready for my shower. Um, have my shower, go out for the day, do all this stuff that we're doing, all this reporting, bring stuff back, work really hard. Um, when we finally get back to camp that night, there's a note and it says, before we go to the mess for dinner um, at 7pm, there is a briefing and we need to go to this briefing. So at this point, we were probably five days away from going home maybe something like that and when we were going home it wasn't just us who were going there were a load of troops that were coming back on r and r and so when we go to this briefing that's who's there there are maybe i don't know a good couple of hundred at least at least a good couple of hundred um people who are getting ready to go home and this briefing is all about the fact that that a camel spider had been spotted and even though it was only one they basically live in giant groups and so they're expected to be hiding out pretty much everywhere um, and they're talking about how look when you go home as I said before you know empty your bags outside dangerous for babies small kids pets all that sort of stuff um, and they sort of go through all of that and then they're like right oh you know off you go off you go to dinner anyway terrifying following morning I wake up 
and um i go to use the the toilet and have a shower and there's no longer tape across it you can go back in there so presumably right okay de-spidered it's been de-spidered so i go in to use the same toilet that i was using the day before same old ritual drop my trousers look over my shoulder it's still there what why is no one getting rid of this why is no and why are we allowed back in again and i think that's weird so I take a closer look. <laughs> it isn't a spider. Oh. <laughs> it's a broken end of a toilet brush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And there has been a full-on meeting about this. Hundreds of people were there. Hundreds of people. People Block. are being told to uh, to unpack their suitcases in their garden in case a broken toilet <laughs> brush is in there. <laughs> okay, now what I really want to know is, did you own up to it or did you let everybody else go about their lives living in fear of this bloody spider that didn't actually exist? We were in the middle of a war zone. A camel spider was the least of their worries. I absolutely did not own up to it. <laughs> At least you didn't kick a baby. I tried to snog the vicar. At least you didn't show the bin many knickers. It could be worse. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of At Least You Didn't. I'm Caroline Verdon. I'm Annabelle Buckland. And we should also say... Please do rate our podcast if you're enjoying it. It massively, massively helps us. So if you're enjoying it and you listen on Apple, then please just pop over and give us a five star, obviously a five star review. Nothing less than five, please. And, um, you know, write some nice <laughs> words about us. Make us feel better about our lives. You know, you've heard this podcast. You know we need that pep talk. Okay, thank you. End of plea. You know we're needy. You know we're needy. Uh, right, coming up on next week's episode, at least you didn't have a breakdown in Macy's. Fail at being a tour guide in your own hometown. Or show yourself up in front of the school mums. See ya. Thanks for keeping it fun. Mm-hmm.